0: Welcome to the Harshman Travel Radio Show segment on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts Pamela and Ron Harshman and Peter Mingle. Make sure you check us out by clicking on the Harshman Travel Radio Show link on BuildingFortunesRadio.com. That's www.BuildingFortunesRadio.com. Pam and Ron's success as entrepreneurs has allowed them to pursue their passion in the travel industry. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio Show and learn about Pam and Ron as they discover the joy that comes from being part of the travel industry you might have a chance of working with them in their business ventures and your travel plans. So listen in and enjoy the journey. Now on to our Building Fortunes Radio Show with Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Mingle. Let's get started, Peter.
1: Hello, everyone. Peter Mingle's here. You're listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. It's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. It's 8.30 p.m. On the Eastern side, on every uh, Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we do a radio show with Pam and Ron Harshman on the Harshman Travel. So if you go to harshmantravel.com, you'll be able to see the cool things that Pam has worked on on her website. And if you go back to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash Harshman or Harshman Travel, you'll be able to hear these previous radio shows that we've done. But a long time ago, Pam started off as a customer of ours. on the PM marketing side and she was building a home-based business and we were interested in promoting home-based businesses so we started Building Fortunes Radio and I knew that we needed some good guest hosts and I wanted to find some people that were credible and you know they had the right uh, work ethic and the right um, everything you know integrity and uh, smarts and you know, all that sort of stuff to be able to help other people so we could really build this into a really great asset. And I asked Pam if she wanted to host a radio show about building those home-based businesses. And she said, you know, we're going to probably be moving away from that traditional home-based business like we used to and moving more into the travel agency business, which made me pause for a second because I wasn't expecting that. She was really good at what she did. And then she told me some of the reasons, and she'll tell you some of the reasons why in just a second or so. But I said, you know, it still fits, I guess, you know. We like you, so you're going to bring your head with you wherever you go. I learned that. Um, So you'll still do good. And, you know, people that are in home-based businesses, part of their goals is they want to travel more. They're list, They're people, too. I mean, home-based business people are people, too. So they want to do all those kinds of things, and it'd be great to have experts, if you will, to be referring people to on Building Fortress Radio, so let's refer harshmantravel.com, so that's what we've been doing ever since. Now, I know we have a lot of new listeners, um, because we've been doing this a long time, so some people are getting, you know, they're finding us through other channels and all this sort of stuff, so I want you to have the same level of exposure and enthusiasm that I do towards Pam and Ron, so we usually do introductions in the first half, and then we take a commercial break. And then we come back, and then Ron Harshman gives us whatever might be new and exciting in 2024. And I'll share with you when, you know, we started, we were we were rolling, and then all of a sudden COVID hit, and it looked like, you know, where, what's going on here, guys? You know, what's going on with the program? What's this masking and social distancing and all this kind of, like, you guys are making this stuff up as you go along. Um, I mean, that – not Pam and Ron, I'm talking about like the governments. And I said, you know, okay, so we, we knew that 2021 and 22 were going to be kind of flat, but 2023 was going to be an upswing, and 2024 is probably going to break all the records ever. And I think that's where we're more or less going. But the first thing I want to do is introduce Pam Harshman to you. So, Pam, thanks for being here on your own radio show.
2: Hi, Peter. Thanks for having us. And it's uh, always good to be here on Friday night. A little bit about my background is I started my working years as a 911 dispatcher up in the Pacific Northwest, and did that for several years. And slow but sure, worked myself up into court administration, and absolutely loved my job. But lo and behold, I met my husband, and uh, he lived down in sunny Florida. So needless to say, I joined him down there and uh, didn't want to start down at the bottom of the ladder again in law enforcement. So I was looking for something that I could do uh, preferably as independently as possible and hopefully from home. Ended up getting my realtor's license followed by my broker's license and I sold real estate in South Florida for several years. Then just kind of Felt like that wasn't my niche, wasn't my calling. So I went and got my life and health insurance license and sold Medicare supplements to the senior population. I have to tell you, I absolutely loved that job. It was so much fun. It was always uh, the unknown. I could walk in setting up an appointment to talk to a senior person about their health care, and all of a sudden I've got a full ladies' tea party sitting there, and other times I'd have, you know, several couples there that they were just finishing up dinner or, you know, it was always something new. But it was a lot of fun, and it was a lot of self uh, satisfaction with that as well, just because I think once uh, you get up to the senior age, the decision you make on what you're going to do with your health care is probably going to be one of the most important decisions you make for the rest of your life because none of us exactly knows what's going to happen, health-wise anyway. And so uh, I did. I took a lot of satisfaction out of that, being able to help people understand and maneuver through the health care system and see exactly what they wanted to do. And at the same time, I was getting these uh, carrots dangling in front of me on my Facebook news feed about home-based businesses, MLMs, and I did try several of them. I had a couple losers, but I had several winners and built some nice downline and uh, enjoyed what I was doing, but for me, it just wasn't a long-term thing, and as you had mentioned previously, it Uh, I was a customer of yours on the PM marketing site, so uh, that's how we got to know each other and we just kind of have stayed good friends ever since, so that's been a plus plus as far as I'm concerned. Uh, One day when I was out on my travels, I got a phone call from a girlfriend of mine who out of the blue asked if Ron and I ever thought about becoming travel agents. And it really took me aback because it hadn't been even a week prior to that that Ron and I had been talking about traveling. Our health was good. We were empty-nester baby boomers, and we had some disposable income, and we were both in control of our schedules. So um, we were looking like, okay, what's on your bucket list? Well, what's on yours? And we were comparing and then trying to prioritize what we wanted to do first. So when she asked that, it it did. It, it just threw me for a loop. I couldn't wait to get home and talk to Ron about it. So uh, once I did get home and we sat down, we did some uh, research on the Internet. We weighed the pros and cons and decided to jump in, and uh, we got all the education we could get our hands on and then all the proper licensures. And I think in the long run, we have probably done a whole lot more travel than we would have been doing otherwise. And we've also helped a whole lot of people uh, stretch their travel dollars as well. So it's just been a really terrific experience for us until, like you mentioned, that C word and COVID hit which the whole travel industry came to a screeching halt. But we're back up and running and faster than ever right now, so we're tickled about it.
1: Excellent. Okay, good. And then, Ron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here with you
3: again. Uh, my background is very different from PM's. spent many, many years as a licensed clinical psychologist very uh, heavily involved, obviously, in my own clinical practice, my own clinical work. But I also chose to get uh, very deeply uh, entrenched in the self-regulatory aspect of the profession. When I first started out, a very good friend of mine, a a mentor, uh, suggested that it would be very important for me to uh, get involved in the Provincial Association of Psychologists and she thought that I uh, had a lot to offer and that I would also uh, gain uh, a lot by being involved and uh, I did follow her advice and it did turn out very, very well. I got uh, heavily involved uh, initially in the Provincial Association, sat on the board of directors, ethics committees, uh, professional affairs committees, etc and then gradually uh, got involved in the National Association and uh, was very fortunate to be elected as uh, chairperson of the applied division of the Canadian Psychological Association. Uh, was on that uh, board of directors, sat on several ethics boards and, again, professional affairs committees and uh, continuing education committees, etc., also represented the Canadian Association with the sister association here in the States, the American Psychological Association. And uh, by the end of my uh, career, um, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, I had uh, been elected as a lifetime honorary fellow of the Canadian Psych Association, so that was... uh, quite an honor for me and I was uh, very appreciative of that. During my uh, training in uh, both undergraduate and graduate years, I had a number of professors who really made a strong point of saying that if we were even thinking about going into private practice before we made that uh, move, it would be very important for us to get as much varied clinical experience as we could working with different clinical populations uh, because when you are in private practice, you really have no way of knowing who is going to call and make an appointment to come in and see you or what their life situation is gonna be, what their problems uh, are that they're facing. And they made the point that if you are totally foreign to their uh, life situation, Uh, If you haven't worked with that population or uh, had any life experience yourself dealing with those problems, uh, you could really end up doing a lot more harm than uh, than good. So I was very fortunate because I uh, took that advice very much to heart, and before going into private practice, I made sure that I did gain as much varied clinical experience as I could. I think I was working... For just about every um, social service delivery system uh, that there is, from uh, corrections, both uh, institutional and community-based, to uh, alcohol and drug abuse, uh, to child welfare, to psychiatric institutions, et cetera, and really uh, did gain a lot by uh, by h- having that experience. Because when I did go into private practice, I felt very uh, self-assured that no matter who called and what their situation was, uh, I would at least have some uh, ideas about uh, how to deal with that and how to help them, and, and uh, it did work out uh, very well in that, uh, in that vein. Um, I ended up, after getting into private practice, uh, really specializing working with uh, young uh, families, young couples, doing a lot of uh, premarital counseling, a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of sexual counseling. Um, And because I was working with that population, I found myself also pretty heavily involved in the uh, judicial system because unfortunately uh, a lot of uh, my patients uh, were very immature kids who had grown up in the throwaway society. They tried marriage, it wasn't working, so uh, the immediate decision was to get out of the marriage. And unfortunately, a lot of these young kids uh, were very, very irresponsible, very immature, and saw their children as the last battleground where they thought they could uh, win over uh, their about-to-be ex-spouse, and as a result, I ended up uh, being involved in a lot of court cases uh, with child custody disputes. And it was interesting because when I first got into that uh, area, uh, it was pretty much a pre-ground conclusion in the courts, both in Canada and here in the States, that if you had a young couple going through divorce and there were young children involved, um, Custody would, uh, if there was a big custody dispute, custody would almost always be granted to mommy and visitation would be granted to daddy. And although that uh, worked out in many cases, we were seeing more and more cases, too many, uh, where it not only was not working out, but it was uh, having a very negative and destructive uh, effect. And as a result of that, the uh, judicial system uh, made the determination that going forward any decision with respect to child custody and access uh, would have to be based on the psychological best interest of the children involved. And that was uh, very much a a good decision, a very right decision. Uh, The difficulty was that at that time there was no uh, established way of conducting an investigation or being able to go into court and evaluating what would be in the best interests of the kids and going into court and being able to uh, give that information to the court. So I found myself just fortuitously uh, working with a number of other uh, professionals, both uh, clinical psychologists and clinical social workers, and uh, we made the determination that it would be important for us to establish a well-rounded and grounded approach to doing child custody investigations, uh, who we would have to interview, uh, kinds of uh, questions we would have to ask, the kinds of investigations and evaluations that we would have to make to be able to uh, legitimately and uh, clinically responsibly be able to go into court and uh, give testimony as to what would be in the uh, psychological best interest of the children. I was uh, very fortunate in that regard. I was one of the first psychologists in Canada to be appointed by the Supreme Court uh, as an expert in child custody and uh, ended up doing an awful lot of court cases, uh, going in as an expert witness of the court, not as a hired gun for mommy's attorney or daddy's attorney. And uh, after doing that for a number of years in Canada, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, come down to South Florida and uh, working with a forensic psychiatrist was able to introduce the whole concept in the South Florida courts, so ended up being the first psychologist to be appointed as an expert in child custody in both uh, Dade and Broward uh, County court systems. So it was uh, very, very heavy work, but very, very rewarding work, felt very, very good about what I was doing. Um, after Pam and I got together, we hadn't been together that long when we decided to semi-retire. We moved from southeast Florida over to southwest Florida, started raising alpacas, and as Pam indicated, she started getting involved in home-based business, multi-level marketing. And although I wasn't involved in that, I was fully supportive of her doing it. But when she came home and said she really wanted us to talk about the possibility of becoming professional travel consultants, that was something that really grabbed both of us. We uh, felt that it was the right thing to do. Uh, We made the commitment that if we were going to do it, we would do it the right way. We would get the proper training, licensure, etc. But we would also spend the time and energy finding those travel vendors uh, that we felt we could legitimately work with and uh, support uh, and uh, who had the same orientation towards their clients that we had towards ours, and uh, it worked out very, very well. Uh, We ended up getting very heavily involved with uh, CLIA, the Cruise Line International Association, Uh, met a lot of the uh, senior people at the various uh, cruise uh, organizations, and uh, as Pam indicated, we did end up doing a lot more travel and we're still doing a lot more travel than we ever would have been able to had we uh, not become travel consultants and uh, as uh, both of you uh, indicated uh, COVID certainly did put a kibosh on it but uh, during those couple of years Peter you and I were uh, dog-headedly convinced that uh, things would uh, turn around and come back bigger and stronger than before And uh, the last uh, several weeks, uh, I've been able to uh, make those announcements that definitely proved that uh, we were correct in our
1: prognostications. Excellent. Okay, good. So we're going to take a little commercial break, and we'll be right back after this. Make sure you check out HarshmanTravel.com. HarshmanTravel.com. We'll be right
0: back. You've been listening to the Harshman Travel Radio Show on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagle special segment can be heard again with almost any device connected to the internet by going to buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Listen in often and get to know Pam and Ron. Go to the buildingfortunesradio.com website to listen in to the show. No matter where you're at in life, you can benefit by listening to and by working with Pam and Ron. Let them book your next cruise, vacation getaway, or group event. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio and witness their ability to pursue their dreams in the field they love. Thanks for listening. And now, back to the Harshman Travel Radio Show.
1: And we are back. Pam Harshman gave us her background. Ron did the same in the first half. In the second half, Ron's going to tell us about some of the newer things that are happening. Make sure you book your trips. Bookmark the site, harshmantravel.com, harshmantravel.com. So, Ron, over to you. All righty,
3: thanks, Peter. A lot of interesting uh, things In the uh, news uh, releases this week, um, Holland America uh, had its largest booking day in the uh, whole history, the 150-year history of the company back in July. And on uh, January 16th of 2024, they surpassed that record uh, by 18%. And uh, that was, uh, of course, now the uh, biggest booking uh, day in their history. A couple of interesting things that they announced about that. Uh, Number one, over a third of their bookings were for travel uh, up to Alaska, Alaska sailings. And uh, something I found even more interesting was that uh, 22% of all of those uh, new reservations were made for cruises that are taking place in 2025 or later. So it's really uh, interesting to see that uh, people are uh, very committed to the cruise industry. They're coming back uh, bigger and stronger than ever before, and uh, we are still seeing in the cruise industry uh, the majority of vacation uh, bookings are from new cruisers. Uh, the, the, uh, obviously, people who have cruised before have come back and are cruising again. Uh, they were very upset with COVID and uh, the uh, lack of ability to uh, to cruise during those years, and they are back uh, bigger and stronger than ever before. But the number of uh, new people coming uh, to the cruise industry for the first time has, uh, has really been phenomenal. And part of it is, uh, is related to the uh, tremendous uh, savings that the cruise lines are offering right now. Uh, for example, Holland America um, got this uh, record-breaking day uh, during their uh, special uh, sale that's going on right now and uh, just one of the aspects of that sale is that any booking before January 31st of this year, obviously, uh, people are eligible for a a $500 per stateroom onboard credit. So that's just one of the things that the cruise lines are giving and people are really uh, taking advantage of that. Uh, A lot of other Interesting and exciting things happening from a number of the uh, cruise uh, companies. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line um, has uh, come out this week saying that they are uh, going to be offering brand-new cruises going to both the Eastern and Western Caribbean, and those are going to be going out of uh, New Orleans and Port uh, Canaveral. So uh, they are increasing their itineraries, they're increasing uh, their ports uh, of call, and uh, they're also uh, increasing the home ports for a number of their ships, um, and uh, that is having a a big influence on a number of the uh, the ports uh, around the country. Um, not only around our country, but, for example, the uh, cruise um, terminal in uh, Hong Kong um, said that they had a very strong recovery in 2023, and uh, the, the terminal in Hong Kong welcomed 138 cruise ship calls. And March the 8th of 23 uh, was the uh, largest in uh, three years. Uh, the uh, number of different uh, ships uh, docking uh, for that uh, that one day. So again, uh, during the uh, 10 most active months that they've had, uh, they have reached 75 percent of their pre-pandemic full year levels and uh, that is uh, on track to be getting to about 90% uh, this year so they are well on the way coming back as well so as I've mentioned several times before on previous radio shows uh, we're seeing uh, this big uh, back uh, coming uh, and revitalization not only here in uh, the U.S., North America, but uh, throughout the world. Uh, Port Canaveral announced that they will have 13 different home-ported ships uh, during 2024, and their expectation is over 8 million guests uh, this uh, this year. And again, uh, they will be... uh, Home to a, a couple of the large uh, Royal Caribbean ships, uh, the Utopia of the Seas will be uh, there, and uh, a number of uh, Norwegian and MSC uh, cruise uh, ships will also uh, be uh, be going in. And uh, for 2025, the port is expecting 16 or 17. Home ported ships. So, again, uh, just the uh, number of uh, new ships coming on board, the number of new itineraries, um, and the uh, just very overall uh, growth and uh, re, uh, rekindling of uh, the industry that uh, for a couple of years really had uh, to struggle, in my opinion against an American government that was uh, bound and determined to put them uh, underground. So uh, it's good to see they're coming back. Uh, Port of Los Angeles uh, announced that they are coming back uh, after COVID, very stronger than they were before COVID, and uh, they now have year-round business from Royal Caribbean, and uh, that's something that they were working on for a while. Some of the bigger ships from Norwegian and Princess are also uh, going into Los Angeles, and they are expecting 2024 to uh, really be uh, on the increase, and uh, they are uh, predicting that uh, 2025 will be uh, even bigger than 2024. Um, They're saying looking into the next decade, uh, they really want to take advantage of uh, ships sailing into uh, Alaska and really build that up because right now the majority of ships uh, going into uh, Alaska are going out of uh, Vancouver in Canada and uh, Seattle in Washington, and Los Angeles is uh, really wanting to uh, uh, put their mark in that uh, arena also, and they're doing everything they can to uh, become a major player there. Uh, Port of Galveston, uh, again, announced uh, big increases, 42% cruise uh, passenger growth in 2023 compared to 2022. They welcomed 1.49 million passengers uh, based on a total of 2.98 million passenger embarkations and debarkations. And they set a record of 354 cruise ships, uh, cruise ship sailings. So we are seeing tremendous growth all over uh, the uh, port of uh, Galveston. Um, is uh, was awarded twenty three point three million dollars in state grants wow. for cargo and transportation infrastructure projects. One million dollars state grant to pilot a shore power microgrid, and uh, they are all, they also uh, got a half a million federally funded uh, money to improve uh, pedestrian and uh, vehicular saving safety, I'm sorry, in and around the port. Uh, in addition, the port issued a $50 million in revenue bonds, which we which yielded $52.6 million to the port for a $53 million renovation of its oldest uh, cruise terminal, and that was done in partnership with Carnival Cruise Line. So again, Uh, I've mentioned uh, several times before uh, how pleased I am to see how much the different cruise lines, the cruise companies uh, get involved with the uh, ports of call and the uh, economy uh, in those places, as well as just the actual ports themselves and go into partnership Uh, in terms of uh, growing and enhancing uh, the facilities that are there. Uh, Royal Caribbean had the two uh, largest ships, the Icon of the Seas and Wonder of the Seas, and uh, both of them were at their own private island in the Bahamas uh, last week. And uh, the... uh, uh, Icon of the Seas uh, currently is the largest cruise ship in the world over 250,000 tons Uh, so it's a big one Uh, the Icon of the Seas uh, can house 5,610 guests and they've got uh, 2,350 cruise members so you can really see The number of people on these ships, it's uh, more than a a little city on the water. For sure. Um, And uh, slightly uh, bigger than the uh, sister ships, Um, the Icon and the Wonder are uh, now the uh, the largest uh, in the world, and they, again, are going to be going to brand new itineraries uh, in the uh, western and eastern Caribbean, and they are both going to be sailing uh, out of uh, Florida. Interesting thing happened uh, on a Holland America uh, ship uh, that I found interesting. Uh, You think about the people who work on the ship, and they're there for a good period of time. I mean, they go out and uh, they are living on the ship for uh, several months at a time. In any event, uh, on one of their ships, on the Western Dam, uh, two people uh, that are the staff, the uh, crew doctor and a hotel executive assistant, Um, met on the Conning's Dam in 2023, and uh, they were sailing in the Mediterranean, and uh, they decided to uh, get together and get married. Uh, The bride's father uh, worked for Holland America for 20 years, and uh, the wedding was scheduled for January 10th, and uh, due to some immigration challenges – The shoreside wedding could not take place, but the team aboard the ship got together, as well as the port agents in Manila, which was uh, the home of the uh, bride, and uh, the wedding took place on the ship, friends, family, makeup artists, photographers, and the imam who officiated the wedding were all able to come on board and participate. So I, I just uh, yeah. uh, thought that it was an interesting story that uh, comes out of, uh, that comes out of uh, the cruise line that uh, really makes the crew there, uh, they're humans, they're people, <laughs> they have lives as well. So that was nice to see. I thought that people would find that, uh, that interesting. Two other things that I wanted to mention, the Brazilian government, announced uh, new visa requirements for people with passports from Australia, Canada, and the United States, and those uh, visa requirements were supposed to go into effect uh, the beginning of uh, this month. Uh, They have postponed that until April, Um, but uh, people going to Brazil uh, are going to have to check Uh, with the uh, cruise line and see if they uh, need visas, and these visas can be uh, gotten on board. They're e-visas. They cost $80.90, and uh, they uh, do allow for multiple entries, and the U.S. citizens have a 10-year validity period, while Canadians and Australians their visa will only be valid for five years. So again, we see the Brazilian government uh, finding new way to increase some revenue, and uh, it's just interesting to see how these things come up. We have a, uh, a couple who are going to Australia and New Zealand uh, next, next month, and uh, no, two months, uh, a couple months, and uh, we just got notification that uh, they are going to require uh, visas uh, from Australia and New Zealand. So uh, different countries are uh, taking advantage of the uh, resurrection of the cruise industry. Uh, Last thing I wanted to mention, it's uh, kind of a a funny thing. Um, Disney Cruise Lines uh, has their uh, new island um Disney Lookout K at that lighthouse point in Florida, and uh, it is uh, exclusively going to be for the uh, Disney cruise lines to uh, to dock there as uh, part of the uh, itinerary, and uh, they unveiled new outfits for Mickey and Minnie Mouse for their visit to the uh, new island destination. Uh, these uh, these outfits were designed exclusively for the cruise line by the Bahamian uh, fashion designer, and the uh, new outfits are uh, inspired by the colorful spirit of Junkanoo, New Bahamas Signature Festival with music and parades. So uh, if you're going to be on uh, Disney cruise and you stop at... Uh, the uh, Lookout okay. K, be sure to uh, look at Mickey and Minnie, because their looks are literally junk fun in the sun. So, uh, the announcement also was that uh, this uh, designer, Theodore Elliott, uh, will also be designing special outfits for Donald and Daisy Duck, Goofy, Pluto, Chip, and Dale. So... <laughs>
2: Yes. the whole crew.
3: Interesting. Uh, sorry, I had one more thing I want to say. Uh, so if I can go for two more minutes, Peter. Uh, Princess Cruises. Yep. Plenty of uh, time. That they uh, have uh, increased their itineraries. They uh, are doing a major thing for the wonders of Canada and New England for 2024. Ships sailing from Boston, New York, and Quebec City will be uh, visiting various ports um, throughout that uh, area, Um, Charleston, Boston, Halifax, St. John, uh, et cetera. So um, Boston, or I should say Princess Cruises, um, just came out with that announcement, that they are uh, going to be uh, trying to make a uh, a, a big special uh, set of itineraries for the uh, New England uh, Canada area.
1: So lots going on. All unbelievable stuff. Un- unbelievable. I mean, I'm, my head is just spinning thinking about all the possibilities that people have towards cruising yeah. and. Um, just amazing. I mean, there's going to be so many people literally at sea at one time. It'll be just oh, yeah. f- f- phenomenal. And and well, you look at the, these two
3: new ships from uh, Royal Caribbean. I mean, they are literally
1: cities on the water. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. And the, you know, I I try to study like the economy, if you will, or the industry and the small industries that are affected by this and just think of the economic engine of these cruises, what they mean to not only the people that are, you know, the 2300, let's use that example, on that big cruise ship, but also all the vendors, all the people right. that supply the shipbuilding, the ship maintenance, the ports that they go to, the cities that they help when they get there, the taxes that are generated, the entertainment, the camaraderie. I mean, the impact of a cruise ship is, you know, PhD level where you can kind of try to just go deeper and deeper and deeper to take a look at the economic impact positively. So when the cruise industry gets bigger, you're really seeing probably 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 other industries are getting equally impacted positively as well, which is huge. I mean, it's just so much more than just a cruise. Oh, for,
3: for sure, Peter. And, you know, it's interesting because we see that not only with the everyday, you know, expansion of itineraries, expansion of ports of call, etc. but, again, I think back to a couple of years ago, well, I guess it's more than a couple of years ago now, when we had all of the real damage in the uh, Caribbean and the way in which the main cruise lines, sent ships to uh, absolutely just dock at the, uh, these different places that were uh, seriously hit so that the uh, people that were there for, you know, fixing, bringing back electricity and bringing back, uh, you know, the different things that were damaged uh, by the storm and, again... You you look at that impact that the cruise industry has, and it uh, it really magnifies uh, just the uh, the straight dollars and cents uh, that, as you said, uh, they bring to the economy and to the different industries and to the different people and to the uh, different uh, vendors and the different ports of call. You know, we were talking. When uh, Alaska was closed, uh, so many of those little places in Alaska, their whole existence is fed by the cruise ships coming in during those months from May to September, and the people, the vendors in those little communities, uh, that's their income for the year. And when the cruise ships didn't go to Alaska, you you can understand the uh, tremendous negative impact that it had on all of those people.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, looking forward, they're going to continue to build these new ships, but all these older ships in, I, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years are going to be recommissioned into floating somethings. They might be <laughs> floating farms, right? They might be floating schools. They might be floating whatever. So we're going to have this abundance, if you will, of stuff that's going to be repurposed, it's going to be pretty amazing. So having said that, having said that, we're done with our radio show. So thanks, everybody, for being here on Building Fortunes Radio, where we have Pam Harshman and Ron Harshman. Make sure you check them out, Harshman Travel, And, Ron, I'll let you close it up. All righty. Well, everybody
3: have a good and safe week. And I think that the cold weather here in Florida, according to my – Weather expert sitting across the room here tells me that uh, we're done with the cold weather, so uh, we're going to be able to go out and uh, not be all bundled up. So uh, definitely give us a call. There are tremendous sales going on, tremendous uh, opportunities, amenities that the cruise lines are offering, as well as uh, great fares. So, if you have any indication that you are thinking about a cruise, thinking about any vacation plans, please give us a call, and we'll be more than happy to see if we can help you. Have a good
1: week, everybody. Excellent. Catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye
0: bye. You've been listening to the Harshman Travel Radio Show segment on Building Fortunes Radio, with your hosts Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagle. Be sure to check out the BuildingFortunesRadio dot com website to hear previous radio shows with Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagles. Pam and Ron's success as entrepreneurs has allowed them to pursue their passion in the travel industry. Listen to Harshman Travel Radio Show and learn about Pam and Ron as they discover the joy that comes from being part of the travel industry. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. Pam and Ron Harshman and Peter Meagles and I want to say thanks for listening and ask you to spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.